meeting is being recorded. G'day, g'day. Welcome to the Unbox Your Give podcast. I'm your host, Rita Joya. And in our series this week, we're looking at corporate officials, what people are doing in corporate post-COVID. And my guest today with me is Amelia Abrams. Abrahams. Did I say that correctly, Amelia? You did. You did. Very good. Thank you. And she is a group manager of capability and culture for ActuAGL and Evo Energy. And I'm going to get Amelia to explain what exactly does she do in the in that particular role for ActuAGL and Evo Energy. So, Amelia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Awesome. Now, what is Group Manager of Capability and Culture? What is it exactly that you do? It's a very long title to put on a business card. Um, <laughs> essentially, if I think about what that my role involves, if you think about the employee experience and the employee life cycle from onboarding to offboarding, my role really encompasses that area. Um, once the employee is onboarded, we uh, start looking at what their training or their capability needs might be, uh, where their development areas and their interests might sit. We also look after employee engagement, so sort of looking after that ongoing piece around how do they feel about their role in the organisation as they move forward. We support with um, diversity and inclusion in the DEI space and helping to, to wrap that up into the employee experience there. We also look after talent management, uh, leadership programs and capability frameworks, succession planning, workforce planning. I don't know. It's a long title, I think, because there's a lot of things that really wrap into it. But I feel that that reflects the changing nature of what we're seeing and what our workforces are expecting from our corporate roles. Mm. So it's really looking at, looking at a real 180 degree from when a person starts to how they can be developed throughout their journey working at actuation. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And looking at that whole employee, I think, is really important in that process. That's Is that like a new role that's just emerged or is that emerged for a particular role? Because that never was around when I was working in corporate. <laughs> I think it's been a role for about, oh, well, certainly I've been with ActuAGL for over eight years now and I've worked in the capability space that whole time. Um, we did used to have a role that was group manager employee experience and this role is probably um, quite a chunky part of that. Okay all right and so through so whoever works at ActuAGL they come and they get their lean learning needs met uh, courtesy of your department of what you do pretty much. It, in, a, in a way yeah so we we're quite a diverse business because we do still have our competency-based frameworks that sit out um, in Evo Energy. So we do have a team that looks after competency-based training. But when it comes to looking at an organisational-wide perspective and having a look at what are the skills that we need for our employees now and also starting to consider what do they need in the future, that's what our team does. So we look at opportunities to be able to centralise training, um, be able to leverage common interests across the different businesses that we have to make sure that we can connect people in the right way and help them build skills together um, in a learning cohort, help them build their networks and their relationships while they're skill building at the same time. Okay. And so if you can explain to us, because uh, we've mentioned ActuAGL and Evo Energy, just like briefly, what do these companies do? Sure. That's a, that is a good test for me. Um, so ActuAGL itself, a lot of people would probably know the retail facing side of our business, which is branded green ActuAGL. So those are the people that you hopefully purchase your um, electricity, gas um, and, and various sustainable energy products from. 
So that's sort of that actual AGL side of the business. Then you've got the Evo Energy side of the business, which in a, in a basic way of explaining it is the poles and wires side of our business. So they look after the energy network uh, that we have in the ACT and into certain parts of New South Wales, um, making sure, I guess, that the power stays on. That's our job there, as well as looking to future challenges and making sure that we're looking at a sustainable way um, to continue to provide electricity to the ACT and to build our electricity network. But then there's a third piece uh, that isn't really public facing, I suppose, and that is our corporate area, which is also called ActuAGL. Um, and we do provide those corporate services to both the retail business and to the Evo Energy business under what we call the joint venture. And for anybody who's interested, we do have an ActuAGL joint venture website that explains a little bit more about the complexity of how this little business all fits together. So ActuAGL, because it's located in Canberra, they actually do not have a competitor, do you? You don't, you don't have a competitor at all? Uh, not, not in Canberra physically, but, um, you know, I, I guess retail is, particularly the retail business, um, is an increasingly competitive market in the ACT. Mm -hmm. uh, there's lots of energy providers um, who are coming up and doing lots of different things. So a priority for us is certainly making sure that we remain customer focused and we understand what our business proposition is and our customer value proposition is and how we can differentiate ourselves from our competitors. Okay. So with your role, this is really interesting for me because if you look after everyone, how many employees are you looking after their learning and development needs? So we've got about 740. Okay. at the moment yeah. across the three businesses wow. well and two businesses in corporate that's huge and how big is your team so my team i i have myself and i have three capability advisors for 740 people yeah, but we do have, like I said, I think there's there are more business-specific learning teams that sit within those business areas. So we're looking at, at a, a, a holistic, more high-level perspective. Okay, okay. So it sounds like a lot, and yeah. it is a lot, but um, there are teams that are sitting out in the businesses looking after those really specific business training needs. Okay. It's like when you go to a mechanic or a hairdresser and they can never look after their own hair or their own cars because they're too busy looking after. Who looks after your L&D needs? Like, does it have someone else? <laughs> me, me. No, I'm I'm very fortunate in that I have a fantastic manager, our general manager, um, who really makes sure that um, um, for me and for my team, we're really able to walk the walk. So we are able to prioritise time to make sure that our own development needs are met. I'm doing a bit of study at the moment. Um. Um, which is killing my life, but I'm getting there slowly but surely. <laughs> what are you studying? Just do a bit of study. Well, what are you studying? I'm studying a, um, a graduate certificate in organisational learning. So really looking at, I guess, the theories behind a few different things, including change management, um, innovation management, but also the way that those impact on leadership and the way they impact on the culture and the, the general learning culture of organisations, which is really interesting to learn and obviously very valuable for my role. Well, absolutely, 100%. And so what do you find, like being in the, in the role that you're in, what are people's needs at the moment when you are looking at overall, like are you seeing a pattern of people wanting, I don't know, self-development in terms of leadership? Are you seeing people want more product knowledge? Like what is the learning needs that you're seeing, uh, the patterns that are emerging currently? Sure. 
It's a really interesting question, actually, because there's always the common ones that you get around things like communication and leadership um, and how to do those things. But there's a shift at the moment to focusing on those items in a in a virtual setting, in a virtual world. A lot of managers and people within teams are going, so that's great. I've got my leadership skills from this program that I did. But now how do I translate that to being a leader in a virtual setting where half my team is potentially um, working from home or working in a hybrid environment, particularly during the COVID period where we had um, long periods of time where like the rest of um, the ACT in the country at some points, people were working um, solely from home. So there's that check-in of, well, how do I do this? How do I lead and how do I manage people? How do I build connection when I can't physically see them and they're on the other side of a screen? And so that obviously is continuing to be something that we're looking at because what COVID's done is it's fundamentally changed the way that we, we see work. And I don't think it's a new thing, but I think what it's done is it's accelerated the point that we've got to where it was probably something that was down the track and we had time to think about it. And there were only certain segments of um, the employment market or employers who did this. What's happened is for a lot of organisations now, we've done it, we sort of had to rip the bandaid off and go. So we're trying to help people to understand now, what does this look like for them in terms of their role? How do they work and how do they lead remotely? How do they connect in with their team? So that's definitely a big one that's coming up. Um, the other one, that's sort of happening, I guess, in pockets of our business, but is probably a trend that's happening across a lot of organisations is certainly that data and the ability to use, analyse and manipulate data. Data is, is such a valuable piece for businesses and for organisations. And while it was previously something probably considered most valuable for finance or maybe technology teams, we're actually seeing that coming across the board with people going, I need to have more skills. I need to be able to understand how I can take this data that's in front of me or how I can find this data that's available within the business and turn it into something meaningful and useful. Okay, so how do I, so the two things that are coming out in terms of what people's needs are in learning development is really relating leadership skills, the courses that have been to, into a virtual world, and also yeah. data analysis is what people are really looking, which is quite interesting to me because um, you don't find that things like mental health or anything like that, people putting their hands up and saying, look, I'd like a course on this or how to manage myself at home or how to discipline myself. They've got the laundry to do and work at home and feed the dog and all that jazz. I think that's still definitely coming up and we do have an employee wellness team over in ActuAGL um, and Evo, Evo Energy who, who do a lot of work in that space to help support people. I think, um, and again, where I think this role is interesting for me is the learning and development side of things is sort of covering more of those probably tactical skills. When we look more in terms of what we're looking at to input as part of the employee engagement results or focus groups that we're having in conversations with the employees about those results and what we're seeing, that's where a lot more of that is coming up. And it's less about training, um, albeit that um, for some managers, they're saying it would be great to have more tools or more understanding about how I can manage this. Mm. Um, it's really more of that um, that I guess that exploring of that work, that good old work-life balance and that understanding of how do, how do I manage myself as a person and my team as, as individuals? How do we manage together to make sure that those lines don't kind of blur and burn out? A lot of it is to do with as well the just the concept of, 
I probably know what I need to do to manage my mental health in some instances, but I don't necessarily feel supported to do that within the organisation. So some of the work we're doing at the moment is looking at well, what are the options that we have and, and what does supported look like to our employees? What could we implement or what could we change that would make a difference to the way the employees perceive um, the support that is there or the resources that are available to support their mental health? Okay. All right. Brilliant. So now in your role of what you do, was that just a role that you applied for and you got, or did you have to work the ranks in ActuAGL to arrive at your current position? How did it come about? I, it came about through a series of very fortunate um, structural changes, really. So it wasn't a role that existed when I started. Um, and I started as a learning administrator. So I used to just oh. sort of book and enter all the data into the systems, yeah. Yeah. Um, which was fun times. But <laughs> fun times. But I think as you you evolve and you you get to see different things through a role and look at opportunities, and I have always been one to put my hand up for things. So whenever an opportunity comes up, whenever there's something that gave me an opportunity to play in a different space or work on a project. Um, I'm usually one of the first people going, I could do that. I could probably have a crack at that. I could give that a go. I'll just see, have we thought about doing this? And so as the structures evolved and roles have changed, when those opportunities have come about, I've been able to demonstrate that I am somebody with the skill set, um, the capability and the attitude to be able to step in and do those roles as they become available. Did you ever do like go into a project or a role where you weren't ready, but you just knew you had to push yourself? Uh, yeah, well, I, yes, <laughs> probably my the, the first um, the first role I sort of took a, as that big step up and managing a team. We we tr did transfer from that sort of very um, streamlined capability space and leadership space, and we branched out into engagement and DEI and those sorts of pieces. And I had worked on the periphery of those through different projects and work that I'd done. But that was the first time that it was like, right, I think you can run an engagement survey. And I was like, can I? Yeah, sure. Okay, no worries. I'll just, I, I can definitely do that. Um, the great thing about corporate spaces, I think is, well, this corporate space anyway, is that there's always been plenty of information available and uh, something that's a, a great help is knowing the people to go and speak to, to go, okay, mm -hmm. I have this project now. I haven't done this before, but I know you have, or I know you've done something similar. So what advice can you give me? Where can you point me in the right direction to find out this sort of information? And leveraging our external providers who, you know, support us with the tools or the systems that we use to, to put some of these things in place has been really valuable as well. Fabulous. And I guess backing yourself. Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> Have you ever felt, I was actually um, reading some material and it was talking about how to work, work within corporate and work up the ladder. And one of the advices was that to be very careful when you're in corporate to not be seen as a threat because for the senior managers, I mean, you might be shining great in your work, but you could be a threat to someone who is two steps ahead of you, two roles or positions ahead of you, and you climbing up the ladder so fast, so effectively, so efficiently, so brightly could work adversely towards what you're looking to do. Have you ever seen that experience that? Do you think that's true or false? I, I think it can be true. I'm fortunate where I have not experienced that mm -hmm. in my in my working history. I feel like I've been very, very fortunate to have a lot of incredible managers who have only ever wanted to support me in my career and see, see me have the opportunities to grow and to develop 
and to be able to shine as bright as I need to. Um, but I I don't think it's not a thing, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, I do think it's something that could impact people in their careers. And it is a fine line. Mm. Um, we do see instances, I think, as organisational structures flatten, um, which most are these days, the ladder is very short to climb at the moment and the gaps between the rungs are very big. So we is that do because see of COVID? People... Is that because of COVID? No, I think it's something that's been coming for quite some time. Okay. Um, as organisations start looking at the way they operate and what processes need to be done. And this is connected to digitization mm -hmm. and technology advances as well. You know, you, you start looking at the models of work and certainly that knowledge work piece is really increasing. And a lot of those manual processes and manual labor pieces are starting to look different in mm -hmm. organizations. They're not necessarily non-existent, but they're different. And so what we're sort of looking at is going, well, we don't need um, an example I'll use is a, um, I know it's people to file paperwork um, mm -hmm. in a busy HR team. You might have a look at that and go, well, we don't need seven people to do that anymore because our files are digitised. So that sort of, those layers of roles and maybe some of those entry-level roles are, are disappearing. Mm -hmm. But when you look at it as well, you're also looking at those middle management pieces that are no longer required because you don't have a team of 50 people doing mm -hmm. this one particular thing here. So it's something that's been happening for quite some time, um, but COVID certainly hasn't helped it, I would say, because, again, it's almost pushed that digitisation process even faster than it ever used to be. If you can't be in the office, then you need a way to get your documents. You need a way to access your information. You need a way to be able to connect and communicate. And mm -hmm. so there's definitely a flow on um, effect from that. But um, so, yeah, so for people coming into the organisation and sort of looking to climb that corporate ladder, it's quite short now. And the, the gaps are big. So we're finding people might rise very quickly and then they hit a, a space where they're like, okay, well, I'm 30 yeah. or younger even, and now I don't know where to go mm. in the organisation. Yes. So the challenge for employees and, and for managers as well and for people like me is to start going, how do we... How do we make sure that the managers don't necessarily feel like they're being pushed out because we want to make room for these people with these incredible skill sets? But how do we still make sure that they feel like they've got an opportunity to continue to shine and to develop, um, albeit that that might not be taking that immediate step up so quickly? It's, it's, it's quite a juggling act. I mean, how do you deal with that plus things like office politics? Is that a huge, have you dealt with a lot of, off, not just in ActuAGL, but throughout your career? Has office yeah. politics played a pivotal role in if you got a role or if you didn't or if you hung out with the right people and said the right things? Has that ever made a difference for you? Not for me personally. Again, I think in smaller organised, like the teams that I've worked in, I've been very fortunate to, um, to not have experienced loads of that personally. But there is there is certain sentiments and pockets of that mm. in every organisation. Office politics, um, whether it's you get a role or you don't get a role, your ideas are heard or not heard, um, you know, even down to the way that you choose to present certain items or the way that you go about getting backing for your projects or your ideas before you go and present them to people. Um, it's, it's, it would be naive to say it doesn't exist mm. and that it can't, um, can't hinder you in your career process, but it can help you as well. Um, if, you, if you take the time to understand your organization's dynamics and you take the time to understand the background to those politics mm. and what might be driving some of those behaviors, um, 
I think that can be really valuable. There was an incredible um, session that I went to with a man called Colin Ellis and it was around sort of navigating workplace relationships and things. And something that always sticks with me when I think about office politics and getting things done is nobody comes to work with the intention of ruining your day every day. Nobody really comes to work with the intention of making things harder for you personally. Mm -hmm. So nobody comes in and goes, Amelia's got this project. I know that she wants to get up. No, I am going to block (laughs) that and I'm going to ruin her. Nobody does that, right? They've got their own thoughts and their own processes and their own priorities. We Mm -hmm. all work in different parts of an organisation. We all have different drivers that Mm -hmm. that are making us turn up every day or driving the work that we do. So for me, office politics is almost about taking the time to learn what those drivers are and then understanding, particularly from a corporate perspective, because we are a service provider at the end of the day to these operational and functional business areas, understanding what their drivers are and finding the best way to provide advice and to partner with them can help you to circumvent some of those political scenarios that you might find yourself in. It's really great said, finding out what their drivers are and really navigating that terrain rather than taking it personally and saying what you said is ruining my day. It's not really about you. It's about their priorities and how that's wonderfully said. Now, having said that, Amelia, with your work in learning and development, uh, working for a huge organisation in Canberra, what do you feel in the digitisation having moved a lot faster because of COVID and as such working up the corporate ladder, as you said, has become a lot shorter with the, uh, the journey to the top. You know, there's less people to get through. What do you see as the future of work? Yeah. I see the future of work as being, it's a matrixed thing, the future of work. When I think about it and when I map it out, um, I'm actually working on a people strategy at the moment that, that touches on this. Uh, but what, what we're seeing is for organisations like ours and, and big organisations, the traditional approach to, to career and to development has been we bring somebody in and we keep them with us forever and we we help them to grow in here and we give them all the linear career moves that they need. And um, When the time is right, they climb this incremental ladder and then they leave at the peak of their career and they retire with their 75 years of service and a lovely handshake. But that's not what career and that's not what work looks like anymore. Um, all the all the researches and some reports are showing that not only are people working longer, but uh, one of the impacts of COVID is that people are also thinking more about well, what what work can I do that aligns more with my social um, sense of being and my personal values? So that that driver to maybe stay in an organisation forever because it's got good pay or good conditions is going, and people are feeling more of a social connection. That also means, though, that people are moving a lot faster and they're moving a lot quicker. So in my mind, the future of work looks a lot more like, hey, you know, come join our organisation. We've got some great projects. There's a lot of fantastic opportunities. You come on board. Our purpose uh, as your employer is to give you a pay packet, obviously, because you've got to pay your bills, but also to be able to make a really meaningful contribution to your career. And I almost see the future of work for people being, okay, I've looked at where I think I want to go in my career path. These are some skills I need. These are some organisations where I can go to get them. And they go there and they might not be at that organisation for a long time. They might only be there two years, three years, 
12 months, who knows? But we come in with an understanding of this is the gap that you're looking to fill. This is how we can help you to fill that. You help us by doing your job and giving us some knowledge and insights and changing the way we do things, hopefully helping us to do things better. And then at the end of that two years, you leave us and that's okay because we will have had a great relationship. Maybe you'll come back when another uh, opportunity comes up in 12 to 18 months time, but it's that change perception from a career is a choice for life Mm -hmm. because that's not how things will work. Mm -hmm. Your career will be a series of incredible experiences that may have common threads or may not, who knows, but it will be a really interesting and very matrixed journey, I think, as opposed to a in their retire. Yeah, absolutely. And do you think there would be more of this, uh, I guess, this uh, dichotomy of working from home and working at the office? Do you think there's going to be more people working, asking for that, saying to, to, to fulfill my cause, to the social needs that I have or the causes that I want to support working from home and not commuting or things like that would serve that? Do you guys, as, would you allow for that? Do you think that's what would happen more of it? Absolutely. I think hybrid work is now a baseline expectation for employees. There are always baseline expectation. Um, I think there are always exceptions to the rule. So, you know, there are roles that can or can't be done flexibly um, or in a hybrid manner. But uh, for particularly corporate and for knowledge workers, I think that hybrid work is a baseline expectation of what they're looking for from an employer. Fabulous. And because you currently work from home too, you go to the office and you work from home, even though, yeah. God willing, we're after COVID. But um, <laughs> but it's a hybrid working conditions, right? Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. It absolutely is. And we are certainly exploring as an organisation um, how, I guess, we transition that into a longer term uh, process and a, an accepted process that we do. So we do have um, various things have been put in place to support that, um, mm-hmm. but probably looking at it more holistically from across the organisation and saying, yep, this is how we do it. This is what it looks like. This is the framework that we have to support it. This is the technology that we have to support it um, because you have to. I do genuinely think it's a baseline expectation for employees now. Excellent. And so my final question to Amelia is, where is your vision for your career? Where do you hope to take what you're doing? I mean, you said career is not just the one monologue anymore. It's like a huge load of experiences. What do you hope to experience next or what is the ultimate career vision for yourself? Absolutely. Uh, so my ultimate career vision is hard because I don't have one. And I know a lot of people really struggle with that. But I, I firmly believe that I've, I've been successful at getting where I am by not having a fixed expectation of where I want to be. So when the opportunities come up, I'm able to take those um, because they don't not align with where I think I want to go. What I would ultimately love to be doing is something that allows me to continue to make a meaningful contribution to people's workplace experience. So while that sounds very fluffy, I think what it means is that at the end of the day, all of the roles I've taken have a common thread where I get to make some sort of meaningful contribution to somebody's experience at work. And we spend a lot of time at work. We spend way too much time at work to hate it and to be miserable and to not enjoy it. Nobody needs to love their job and jump out of their skin every day coming to work. But if we can make it so that it's a nice experience where they come and go, actually, it's not that bad. Like I enjoyed that or I enjoyed that element. I feel like I got something from my organisation or I learned something today. Then to me, that's really valuable. And that makes me feel like I've made a difference. So 
that could look like maybe coaching down the track mm-hmm. um, or uh, organizational design or workplace design, um, leadership and mentoring. I love doing all of those sorts of things. So somewhere in that vicinity, but there's no there's no golden po- um, point that I'm aiming for because I, I want to make sure that I always keep my options open because so many things come up that you don't expect at a time that you don't expect and I want to be open and I want to be ready to be able to take those opportunities as they come my way. Amelia, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I truly appreciate your insight into what's going on with a huge organization that's going on in Canberra, your role, how you've approached it and what you're doing in your capability. So thank you so, so much. Thank you, Rita. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you.